In this month's podcast, I continue my conversation with Jeff Perlman as we talk about operating systems and other things. All right, well, since I have Jeff here, we decided, well, heck, we got more stuff to talk about. Uh, you know, two computer nerd geeks here <laughs> always like talking about other things. And it's one of the things that came up recently. Uh, last month, Apple announced a whole bunch of stuff, including a new version of OS X, new version of iOS. Uh, a couple of months before that, Microsoft announced it and shipped a new version of Windows. So many new things uh, to talk about. So I, I suppose it, we probably should talk about the most recent thing and maybe work our way back. But uh, the most recent thing that has come out is the new version of OS 10, 10.11 El Capitan. Yep. And they come up with some crazy pronunciations for, for things. Uh, and that came out at the end of September. And I, I ran that. Uh, I don't think I was running the betas, but I did when the GM was announced. I put that on my laptop. I still haven't uh, put it on my main machine yet. But but now that we've shipped R3, that'll probably be a fun task for me to do shortly. Uh, but I've been using it on a laptop, and so far it's been great. I haven't had a lick of trouble with it. That's great. You know, I, I don't normally run betas of, of any OS, really. Um, and uh, I, I probably could. I could set, up, set them up in VMware or whatever, but I don't no normally do that. However, when they come out, I'm usually very quick – uh, sometimes to my uh, horror, <laughs> uh, to, to update to them. Uh, I remember it was in 2007, I think it was Snow Leopard on OS X. I upgraded right away, um, and I ran into some problems, you know, that it took some point releases for them to resolve. Um, but with El Capitan, I read the reviews prior to its release, and all the reviews said, yeah, it's really stable. It's really solid. Yeah, it, was, it was surprising how positive the reviews were from that standpoint, saying how stable it was. Yeah, so I figured, okay, I don't think I'm taking that big of a risk. So I installed it as soon as it came out. And I only ran into one problem, which was fairly easy uh, to resolve. And, and, and I think you and I have talked about this because I don't think you ran into it. Uh, with Apple Mail, I use an alias – uh, for my for my email address because uh, we used to be real software and now we're Zojo Inc. and uh, it it didn't handle that well. Um, it was sending all my email out from my old address, uh, realsoftware.com. But it turned out that if you go to if you run into this problem, if you go to mail and go to settings or preferences rather, they now have an alias pop up menu and you can just add the alias in our case Zojo.com. Uh, I added that, chose it from the pop up menu. It took me you know, 10 seconds to resolve once I knew where to look. But aside from that, everything else has worked really, really well. Yeah, the main reason I don't put it on my main computer is just because I'm waiting for apps to get updated to support it. So I'll put it on my laptop first, and I can kind of ferret out app issues more than OS issues. And, you know, every day I'll see a new app that has updates for El Capitan. I'm like, all right, there's another one I can check off my list, so I'll be ready to update uh, the Mac Pro. And... Uh, and I think I, I, all the ones that I rely on at this point have all been updated, so I'm probably pretty safe, safe to go with it. I'm particularly looking forward to uh, what seems like a minor, minor feature, but the ability in Safari to pin your tabs. So you can, you can right-click on a tab and you can select pin, and it sticks it over on the left-hand side, and it then shows up on all your Safari windows, and it doesn't take up as much space. And, you know, like I said, it, I think Firefox has had this feature for a while, but I don't really use Firefox. But 
I, I've been using the pin tabs on my laptop and I just love it. And I, I work in a lot of web apps for documentation, for the forums, for other things. And having those just instantly available, no matter what I'm doing, has been tremendously useful. So I'm really looking forward to El Capitan just for that thick, uh, change, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I haven't used that feature yet, although I was aware of it. Let me tell you about the feature of Safari and El Capitan that I am already using. Um, you know, oftentimes we go to a website and all of a sudden some ad starts playing sound. And it's like, oh, God, where is that? And you're searching all over to find the little pane that's playing some video or whatever. Well, now, as soon as a sound starts playing in Safari, it puts a little speaker icon in the URL bar, and you can just click that to turn the sound off. You know, No more searching through the page, scrolling up and down, trying to find it. The moment the audio starts playing, you have one place to click to just turn it off, which is uh, really yeah. great. I could see, like, if you're in an office or something, that would be pretty cool. I'm all alone here. I'd probably the only thing I would do is wake up a cat if that happened. So. Well, it, yeah, for me, it's not even a question of that. It, it, it's it's simply that I don't want to. I'm trying to read an article, and I don't want to hear a, a an ad from you know uh, the local you know stockbroker firm or oh you know, yeah 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 whatever it is. You know, I, I just don't want to he- hear that. I'm not. I didn't come there for that. If it, I don't have a problem with the fact that they have advertising. Because they're providing a lot of free content, they got to be compensated somehow. I just don't want the audio to, you know, default to playing, you know. Yeah, I- yeah. I think I remember MacWorld was doing that for a while. I wonder if they've turned that off. I tend to use an RSS reader quite a bit, so I don't often go to actual websites to see to read the content. It just comes up in my reader, and I get the text of it. So I don't, often don't run into that. So that's probably why it hasn't been. Well, so I use an RSS reader as well for certain things. But for example, I read Reddit. And Reddit is often links to other pages. So there'll be an article, and I go, that sounds interesting. I click the link, takes me to the page. Now I'm on the page. I'm not in my RSS Right. Room. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and Reddit is one of the most, arguably the most popular website on the internet. Yeah, that gets a lot of traffic, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that's a cool feature. But on, on the whole, um, you know, there are some new features in El Capitan, but mostly... I think it's just a uh, stability release, uh, which is great. You know, um, it does have a different font, uh, San Francisco, which if you're a Mac user from the classic Mac OS days, it's not that San Francisco font because that would be horrendous. <laughs> yeah, that one was awful. I've seen Yeah, it would be really terrible <laughs> if you had to have that as your system font. Um, it's the same font as an iOS 9. Um, it's San Francisco. It's a very clean font. I think a lot of users would not even notice that the font changed. Um, so, um, yeah, so I think it's a good release. I think they've done a really good job. I, I know there are other features, but you know, it has, but, uh, they're not leaping to mind. So, um, I think that, uh, just having a one that fixes more bugs and makes things more stable. I know I've, I've run into a few things, um, since I installed it where I realized, Oh, Hey, that's actually working the way it was supposed to. Like I, I realized that they fixed a bug. Right. Uh, oh, 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 I can think of one. Um, there's a bug in Preview. Uh, I use the Preview app to, as, for its scanning capabilities. It's my interface for my scanner. So I go to import from the file menu and, and, and uh, you know, import things from the scanner into Preview. And, and there was a bug in some release of Yosemite where all of a sudden, if, the, uh, if you're scanning to text, which is what I often do for receipts and things like that because the files are a lot smaller, you know, order of magnitude smaller, uh, I was getting these 
all of a sudden I started getting these horizontal black lines all through the scanned image. And I found a workaround for it. I had to switch to color, let it do the preview scan, then switch to text, and then hit the scan button. So I get the preview in color and then switch to text. And that's how I worked around it. But that was kind of a hassle. Well, I noticed that that bug has been fixed in El Capitan. I don't have to do that anymore. Awesome. Yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to update that uh, shortly. be my plan. Now, uh, iOS 9 came out last month. I rarely wait to update the iOS versions because, you know, yeah. my my phone isn't as mission critical to me as my Mac. So, you know, if something catastrophic happened, I would just restore from a backup and be on my way. Uh, so I put iOS 9 on it the day it came out, just like the release before that and the release before that and whatnot. I, I don't typically put the betas on. Uh, I'm not yeah, me quite, neither. quite that crazy, but I, I put the release on the day it comes out. So I've been running iOS 9. Uh, in general, iOS 9 has been pretty darn good. Uh, I, but this weekend, I just had an annoying issue with the touch sensor that forced me to actually wipe my phone and not restore it from a backup. So I'm very sad about that. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the, the touch sensor was, uh, I, I did some internet research on it, and I was experiencing something called ghost touches where your phone would just be sitting by itself with the screen on and things would start getting tapped. Now, and... now, Paul, Paul, don't you live in an old house? <laughs> no, I do not live in an old house. Well, your house is an old house? <laughs> I was thinking, no, there was not, like, it wasn't built over a graveyard or anything? No, no, nothing okay. like that. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. You'd think that would be the first obvious choice, right? Yeah, but, simplest yeah. explanation tends to be the right one. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my mom over the weekend uh, about something, and uh, I had my phone, and all of a sudden it starts tapping away on things and it actually tapped on the contacts app tapped on add someone to the call tapped on my wife's name because she was the oh, last person no. in the and tried to conference her in to this call i was having and I'm like what the heck i'm just staring at my phone going what the heck you would randomly be tapping on the mute button and but it was only doing it on phone calls which oh. i mean to be honest i don't talk on the phone all that much it's my iphone is my computer not really my phone but uh but i, I was a little upset about this I, and i did research and uh it, the ch options were it was either a bad digitizer or some sort of awful software thing and apparently apple requires you these days if you're having strange stuff like this to restore your phone but not from a backup because they're claiming backups have some issues ah and uh my wife had something in the spring regarding Bluetooth that was causing her phone to – the voltage was causing a problem, and it would go from like 80% to 20% if the weather dropped below 50 degrees. Not a problem in Texas, I know, but a common yeah. situation up here in the Northeast. And, and it took months before they agreed to give her a new phone. So I said, well, you know, I don't need to go through that. I'm just going to – I made a backup of everything, and then I restored it, but I did not restore the backup. I put my apps back on one by one, which was probably a good idea after all these years. I think my backup came from my iPhone 4 and just been carried through the years. So I, I think I had like 250 apps on my phone, which is an embarrassingly large number. <laughs> so now I'm down to just a couple pages, which is probably better. But the problem went away, uh, long and short of it, so far anyway. So that means I can't really go to the Genius Bar and say, I think my phone's busted, but uh, <laughs> I'm keeping an eye well, out. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you brought that up because it reminds me that when I upgraded to iOS 9, um, so I use iCloud, which I highly recommend because like in your case, okay, you can't restore from backup, 
But once you sign into iCloud, it'll sync all of your important data over your calendar. And yeah, contact. I got my calendar contacts. Yeah, Most of my games had their data saved in iCloud. So yeah. Right, right. So, so that's a real big benefit to iCloud. But you reminded me that when I installed iOS 9, um, a whole bunch of my apps didn't install. They were just – the icons were there, right? And and But they weren't actually installing. And I thought it was going to update them, but it, wouldn't, it wasn't doing it. They were just – they were Not stuck there. in limbo. Yeah, and and so I did a little bit of research, and what I found was the solution, because you know you can tap on the app to like during a download deposit. Right. And I tried that, and it wasn't that at all. It just wasn't uh, download. It was stuck in some way. So it turned out that the solution was for each of those apps, and it was a lot of them. Not like the number you're talking about. I think I have three pages of apps, but I have a lot of folders. Right. Anyway, the. the the solution was to to go to the app store, find the app, and just press the download button again. And sure enough, that just re-downloaded it and, and fixed it. I didn't have to delete them. I just had to go find them in the app store app and re-download them to fix that. So uh, that was kind of a pain. But I, like you, did the same thing where I asked myself, okay, am I really using this app anymore? No, okay. This is a perfect opportunity to delete it. Right. Because yeah, you always get it back if it turns out you missed it. And yeah. So, so there's a couple of features in iOS 9 I'm using uh, that I really like. Um, one is, and this is something I just, it's funny, they, they, they talked about this, but it's sort of a hidden feature, and that is iOS 9 is a lot smarter about um, recognizing when you use different apps. So, for example, um, one of the first things I do in the morning when I wake up is I get on my scale and I see what I weigh, and I put it into the health app, right, to track my weight. I'm one of those people that believes that if you weigh yourself every single day and you see your weight going up, then you'll that will cause you to modify your behavior. You know, so I'll, I'll eat more healthy. I'll, you know, I'll get out on my walk every morning on a more regular basis, that sort of thing. Anyway, what I've noticed is it has learned this. So when I turn my phone on in the morning. The, the health apps icon appears on the home on the notification screen. You know oh, how the yeah. camera yeah. app right. is there. Well, my, on the on the left side, my health app is there, so I can tap that to quickly get to that. The other thing I noticed was that so so when I drive around in my car, I use the Bluetooth connection and I listen to music, and that's what I do quite a bit. But first thing in the morning, around eight a.m., is when I go out for a walk. And I typically listen to podcasts. Well, this morning, I got my dog ready and I got my phone. I put my headphones on. I plugged my headphones into my phone. Now, keep in mind, the last app I used was, um, I don't know, I think I was using the new news app that comes with iOS 9 or, or maybe the health app was still on the screen. Anyway, as soon as I plugged in my headphones, the podcast that I had been listening to suddenly came up. In other words, it launched the podcast app and took me to the podcast I'd been listening to the previous morning on my walk. So it figured out Jeff listens to podcasts around 8 o'clock in the morning. And and it knew that – I guess it knew that he listens to them with his headphones. So <laughs> as soon as I plugged headphones in, all of a sudden it said, ah, you want to listen to podcasts. I don't know how many of those details it was considering, but it was interesting that that happened – 
for the first time this morning. So I don't know how long it takes to learn. Yeah, I haven't observed that. I don't. I have a podcast app that I listen to, but I can't say I have certain schedules that I do things like that. So it may not have picked up on anything with me. Yeah, so maybe this schedule-based, but this is a feature that they talked about when they announced iOS 9 and they did their demonstrations, but it's not a hard, it's, it's, a, it's a hard feature to demonstrate because it's a behavior. It's not a, a user interface or anything like that. Um, so th- I'm interested to see going forward, you know, how much, um, how much more, you know, with iOS 9, my phone is going to help me out. Now, there's another feature that I'm using that actually is only half new to iOS 9. And that is the, uh, hey Siri feature. Um, in prior to uh, iOS nine, well, actually, I, I guess I want to say maybe it's prior to iPhone six. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, you the Hey Siri feature allowed you to just talk to the phone right without having to actually uh, right. Yeah, when it was plugged in. Yeah, right, and it had to be plugged in. Now, I don't remember if it's. Uh, just the new iPhone 6S, which I have. Yeah, the more. 6S can do it without it being plugged in, but the older yeah. ones have to. And I have to say, the Hey Siri feature prior to my 6S was really a novelty. Uh, and here's why. Because since I could not use it anytime I wanted, it did not become a habit. Right, yeah, I don't even I, have it turned on because I'm like, when my phone's plugged in, it generally means I'm not using it or I might not be near it, so... Right, and, and I am near it when it's plugged in on my desk, or if I use it in the car, I always plug it in. But the thing is, is I can't use that feature anytime I want. So it, it doesn't become a habit. Well, now that I can use it anytime I want, it, it, it is a habit. So I find myself asking Siri to call my wife or send a text message to my kids or check my schedule or even dumb little things like, you know, do a currency conversion or, you know, how many inches are there in a mile? You know, there's it, it, all these different questions that I would normally just not bother with because, again, it's not a habit. Right. Yeah, I remember when when iOS 9 came out, I, I had read about that feature and I didn't realize it was success only. So I was I wanted to turn it on right away to just make use of that because one of the number one things I use Siri for is when I'm grilling to set timers so I can know to go back to the grill. Yeah, and that's, that's a feature I just learned about. I didn't realize you could set timers with Siri, so now I do that too. Yeah, but I got to hold the button down and then wait for Siri to come up, and I almost always seem to time that wrong. And then Siri comes back and says, I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about or whatever she says. And But if I could just say, hey, Siri, set a timer for six minutes – uh, and not even have to like, you know, dig my phone out or whatnot, that, that would be a, a little bit more useful, especially, you know, yeah. if you're grilling and you might have oven mitts or you're holding things or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I have a friend that has a iPhone six and he said, well, my phone's always plugged in. It's plugged into my desk. It's plugged in the car. And I said, yeah, but I use my phone a lot when it's not plugged in. And so for me, for a feature to be really useful, I have to be able to use it anytime I want to use it. And to have to use it when it's tethered made it less useful. But with the iPhone 6S, which I have, I can now uh, use it you know, anytime I want. And I do find I use it a lot more often. Um, the Force Touch in the 6S is also a nice feature. Um, that I don't use as much. Maybe it's because I'm not used to it yet. It hasn't become a habit yet. But I'm definitely finding the Hey Siri feature is something I use a lot more often. And the other thing they've done is 
Um, they've made it, and th this is not limited to the success, but they've made it so you can train Siri to your voice so that, yeah, it, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't go off when, when someone else says the magic word. That's um, probably a good idea. Cause you've said it like, you know, a dozen times in this podcast and you'll be setting people's phones off. <laughs> that's right. But actually my phone has not gone off. It, 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 I'm not sure how they do it, but it, it hasn't, I think what it is is you have to start the sentence with that feature, with, with that magic phrase. If you say, Hey Siri, in the middle of a sentence, then it knows that you're not addressing the, um, hmm. the phone. So that's what I've found. So it, it, it almost never, in fact, I think I can only think of one time where it went off at an unexpected time. So I do find occasionally that it, she doesn't respond. Like I say it and she doesn't activate, which I'm not sure about. Maybe that's just a bug and, you know, I'm sure they'll make it even better. But, you know, when Siri first came out, I think it was really, you know, it's like we're shipping the 64-bit as beta. I think Siri, when it first came out, was kind of more beta. I mean, it was useful, but it was useful for a very narrow range of things. And now it's a lot more. I actually have a funny story, which you, you will totally appreciate about that feature. So right after I got the phone, I'm at my son's baseball game. And we're sitting there and I've got, you know, I've got my iPhone and I've got a mom on one side of me and a mom on the other side of me and they all have their iPhones. And one of them says to me, hey, does anyone have the new iPhone? Because the phone had just come out. And I said, yeah, I got the new phone. And I showed it to her. She said, oh, it doesn't look any different. I said, no, they, they it's every other year that they change the external, you know, exterior uh, appearance of it. But it's got some really great features. You know, for example, Siri is a lot better. And she said to me, yeah, you know, I don't really use Siri. You know, it's just I don't find it to be that useful. And I said, oh, well, you know, I, I, it's pretty useful. It's definitely more useful now with the, the Hey Siri feature. And, you know, that's where that conversation ended. Then probably 10 minutes later, she said to me, um, hey, does anyone know, uh, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys were playing – uh, during my son's baseball game. And, and she said to me, does anyone, or she said to us, does anyone know how the Cowboys are doing? And I said, you know, I don't really follow uh, football. And she started looking on her phone. She said, well, I think I've got an app here somewhere. And while she was digging for the app, I said to Siri, hey, how are the Cowboys doing? I mean, that's literally how I said it. And Siri immediately came up and said, the Cowboys are beating the Falcons, I think it was, you know, 14 to 7 with 14 minutes left in the third uh, third quarter. And she heard that <laughs> and yeah. she said, huh, that is pretty useful. <laughs> so yeah, sports happens to professional sports happens to be, especially American football and baseball and probably hockey. I don't know about the Europe, you know, soccer and things. It probably does those too. But anyway, it, that's one area where it is actually pretty darn useful. Yeah, that's. I've certainly been using Siri a little bit more. I it, I have observed though that my kids use it all the time. So it's again, it's one of those things that the younger generation kind of grew up with. They're probably a lot more comfortable just adopting and taking advantage of it. Whereas I, being of the older generation, never fully trusted voice recognition. Still, often will just prefer to type in my query. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, here's another place where I found it really useful. Um, so. Uh, I'll be out and about somewhere, and if if you're a, if you're a tech person and you've got you know older parents, uh, you've probably been you know roped into doing tech support for them a number of times. And so I I, I can say this because I know my mom won't be listening to this podcast, uh, but she'll she'll text me 
and say, hey, I, I really need your help with something on the computer or on her phone or whatever. And I don't really want to do it while I'm out, you know, because I want to be able to screen share or whatever. So I'll tell her, you know what, I'll call you when I get home. And she'll say, that's fine. And in the past, I would just forget. And I'd get home and, you know, wouldn't think about it. And a couple hours later, I'd say, oh, shoot, I told my mom I'd call her. So I'll call. Well, now, when I tell my mom, hey, I'll call you when I get home, I immediately just say, hey, Siri, uh, remind me to call my mom when I get home. Right, and, exactly what you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Siri says, okay, I'll remind you. And then as soon as I arrive home, Siri pops up and says, call your mom. And, and so the, the ability is so quickly and easily um, – set reminders and other things. Now, when you're asking about your meetings, like when's my next meeting with Fred, Siri can get a little confused with that. Um, there's definitely some bugs there. I had a, a meeting with a friend scheduled for the next day, and I wasn't sure what time the meeting was. So I said to Siri, you know, uh, when's my next meeting with Philip? Was his name. And Siri didn't get that. Siri thought, uh, I meant when's my next meeting. So she started telling me my meetings for today. not yeah. But then when I said, hey, Siri, when's my next meeting with Philip Goward, his full name, then Siri said, oh, it's tomorrow at 2.30. So, you know, and, and I think Siri should be smart enough to say, okay, he's saying when's my meeting. It's got to be a meeting, you know, at some point in the future. When, right, yeah, scan the upcoming one, see if they match the name you just said. Exactly. So I didn't quite get why it was struggling with a first name, you know. Uh, so. I've never tried that, so I, I can't say. But uh, yeah. Well, anyway, iOS 9 is good. Yeah. I'm going to switch gears now away from Apple stuff, and we'll yeah. talk a little bit about Windows, because Windows 10 came out at the end of July. Yeah. And that was a, a big release for Windows for... Oh, yeah. For a couple of reasons, the big, the probably the biggest reason is that by and large, people were not very fond of Windows 8. So this was uh, kind of a their redo on that to say, hey, this is much better. But it also was the first version of Windows that was pushed out that was essentially free for a large uh, portion of the user base. Yeah. So uh, which is kind of a strange thing because I mean Microsoft's always been about selling Windows, but now they're giving it away free because they're business uh, concepts have tweaked a little bit but well okay so it's not free it's free for some people it's free for a portion of people yeah you have to have windows 7 or any version of windows 8 and then you can grab windows 10 for free and you can do that for up to a year so if you haven't done it yet you can still do that you've got until next july and who knows maybe they'll extend it longer but right now it's just then but, but if you have if you have but, vista or xp you have to buy a license it's not completely free for you well, the other thing is, is it's not free for, you know, because because when they announced it was going to be free, I was like, huh, how does that, you know, I, I run a software company, as you know, and I was thinking, how does that business model work exactly? Well, what it is, is, of course, it's really important for Microsoft that Windows 10 get a lot of adoption. Right. Um, but, but what it is, is so it's free if you have a recent version of Windows. Uh, it's not free for Dell or HP or Lenovo or any of the big PC makers, they're still paying for each copy of Windows they put on computers. And of course, every Windows user is eventually going to buy a new computer, and the cost of Windows 10 will be built in to that computer. So, so yes, Microsoft is giving up some of the initial revenue that they might have gotten, but I think it was a smart decision on their part. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I should clarify, it's, it's free for consumers, really. I, I'm pretty sure the enterprise 
licenses are not free upgrades either. Right. And it's not really even free for consumers. It's free for consumers to put on their existing machines if they have a, um, a recent version of Windows. When they go to buy a new computer, that new computer, you know, part of what they're paying for with that right. new computer is Windows. Right. So is in that sense, it's, it's sort of a temporary free. But in general, this means, like you said, the adoption for Windows 10 should be a lot higher than some of the other versions of Windows, particularly Windows 8, which didn't get super fast adoption. Windows 7, I think, is still the most popular version being out yep. there. But I was talking to some friends over the weekend, and they were saying that uh, their company essentially skipped Windows 8. They've all been doing Windows 10, and they're now going to be ro- they're going to be jumping uh, directly from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Uh, yeah, and I'd like to say that I skipped both Windows Vista and Windows 8. So I really think that if if you're wondering in the future uh, what version of Windows, you know, if you should go to the next version of Windows or not, I think you just need to ask me because I've I've got a really good track record of skipping the bad versions. <laughs> I never skip Windows. I love getting the new version and playing around with it. It's fun. But then it's not my main OS, so I don't have as much of a risk. I, I have virtual machines set up, and I have every version of Windows you can ever imagine. And I do use them regularly, but I don't rely on them 100%. So. Well, it, it, it's not my main OS either, but I still very much care about having the, the right user experience. And I found Vista and... Uh, uh, Windows 8 to be not so good when it came to user experience. But I have yeah. to say, Windows 10, as far as I'm so, so as far as I'm concerned, Windows 10 is the best version of Windows they've ever produced. Um, Windows 7 was a a nice incremental upgrade. Um, uh, well, I would say from XP because I didn't go to Vista. Um, uh, so, you know, it was a nice change. Uh, Windows 8, I think, was a big step backwards user interface-wise. Uh, Windows 10, it seems like they've really figured out the right mix of what new concepts to bring in, not getting rid of old concepts that were still really good, you know, bringing back the start menu and those sorts of things. Um, and gosh, I, I want to say the installation process, you know, uh, the installer for Windows 10 was much friendlier uh, yeah, not just slick. in e- yeah, not just in the ease of use, but even the language they use to communicate. Yeah, They've really very and- friendly. It was yeah, it was, very it was friendly. Painless, really, because yeah. I've installed it. I've installed it multiple times now because I, I have a Windows tablet. Actually, I don't have an iPad. I have a Windows tablet, and it came with Windows eight on it, which worked decently enough. Uh, but when Windows ten came out. I eagerly awaited for it to say my free update was available. It took about a month before that happened. But then I, I put it on right away, and it installed with no trouble whatsoever. Uh, but I did have one issue with uh, it no longer would flip between portrait and landscape when you turn the tablet. Uh, I had to do a driver update or a BIOS update or something. Uh, so that part still remains. But once I did that, it all worked fine. And it's been it's been working great. I love the new features in Windows 10. On a tablet, it's great. It really hides the desktop completely. So it doesn't, you don't have this dual mode that was kind of confusing with Windows 8. Uh, and then when I'm running it in a VM, you know, for a lot of Zojo testing and other things, the desktop mode is great. And it runs those uh, universal apps within the desktop mode in a window, which is nice because it is, the operating system is called Windows. 
and uh, but they're they're much more usable than they were before. I mean, it was really weird when stuff popped up full screen when you've got a 27-inch display. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, a PDF viewer pops up and it's full screen or the calculator pops up and it's full screen. Like, what? I don't. I wanted something else on the screen. It was very difficult. Yeah, and, and that's an important thing, thing to point out too is that Zojo runs really well on Windows 10. We've tested it. it, it yeah, I've been using it on Windows 10 for months. It works great. Yeah, so that's a good thing. Um, I found Windows 10 to be very stable. And the other thing, you know, people have asked me, well, what do you think? Do you think Windows 10 is going to be um, successful? And I tell them, well, I do for two reasons. One, well, three reasons. One, uh, I think that Microsoft has found the right balance in terms of uh, the features and user interface. Two, it's very, very stable. It seems like everything works pretty well on Windows 10. And three, it has to be. In other words, Windows 10 has to be successful for Microsoft. So they are going to do whatever they have to do, technologically, marketing, uh, deals with you know vendors, whatever it takes. Uh, and they've said they're they're no longer going to have monolithic releases. I think they're going they're following Apple's lead, ironically, um, uh, when it comes to releases. So I think there's going to be Windows 10. You know, like we have OS 10. And here we are on OS 10.11, <laughs> which would be confusing, but they don't really call it that, right? They say OS 10 Yosemite, OS 10 El Capitan, they have names. And I think you're going to see Microsoft doing the same thing. It'll be Microsoft 10, you know, and then they'll have some name. But, but I agree. They're going to go something along those, right? So it'll always be Windows 10. So people won't be like, oh, should I upgrade? It'll just be, well, it's still Windows 10. Yeah, you upgrade right. it. Exactly. So it, it'll, that's the problem is they've got too many users being bifurcated across too many different versions of the OS. So, yeah, I think that's a smart move on their part. I think Windows 10 is going to be uh, very successful for Microsoft. Yeah, I, I've got at least three VMs set up with Windows 10 because I've got the release version. And then I, I'm also set up on the the so-called, I forget what the term is, tech preview or something like that, or insider build. I think it's insider build. But oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I get the, I, they don't call them betas necessarily, but I get those, they call them, I'm on the fast channel. So any updates get pushed down to this VM. So right. I get another VM to test that out. And, you know, that's the thing about uh, Windows stuff. It is always fast and furious with things. It's, it's fun to, to have all that available. But yeah, so far I really like Windows 10. And if you're going to grab it, grab the 64-bit version. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't mess with 32-bit at this point. Might as well just have 64-bit. There's not a, there's not a, a very good reason to have the 32-bit version. And you could find yourself in the future needing the 64-bit version, and then it's kind of a hassle, you know. To yeah, to switch I have it. the 64-bit version in a VM. I also get 32-bit, of course, for testing. But my my tablet's running the 32-bit version because it's a low-powered thing, yeah. and it only has a gig of RAM. I think the CPU's only 32-bit because it's one of those Atom Intel Atom. You, you can't upgrade it. To to like a quintillion bytes or something? No, the <laughs> tablet cannot be upgraded in any way, shape, or form. I, I did write a blog post about my little HP Stream tablet earlier this year, so uh, they yep. still make this thing. It's like $80 tablet, and for 80 bucks, I absolutely love my tablet because uh, when I had an iPad, which was a, a nice little thing, I really never used it all that much, and, you know, those things are not $80. They're a little bit more than that, and <laughs> And I I, I, uh, I just ended up selling it because I wasn't using it enough. Uh, and then I bought this tablet more on a lark because, well, it was eighty dollars. And and now Amazon's selling a uh, an Android tablet for what fifty dollars now for the View Kindle Fire. I mean, I was joking to a friend. I said these things are going to be showing up in my box of Rice Krispies pretty soon. <laughs> That's right. They'll be like AOL discs. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, look, I got uh, the special well, AOL edition of uh, Kellogg's. Uh, yeah, fire in my uh, mail this morning. Yeah. So, yeah, so what we've seen um, this year, you know, with Windows 10 in July, I think it was, and then El Capitan and OS 9, uh, some fairly significant operating system updates, and all seem to be pretty solid. You know, um, it's been pretty easy to just move forward. So that's really great. Yeah, it's been a, an uneventful, but uh, still nice new stuff to play around with and look at. So yeah. that's always great. All right, well, we'll wrap up our OS bonus content here. And I want to, again, thank my special guest, Jeff Perlman. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Zoja Talk. We'll talk again soon.